Thanks for allowing us to come into your home. And I pray through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, this will influence your life. You know, we live in a crazy time. We live in difficult situations. Circumstances are all over the place. Families are more stressed trying to deal with all the dynamics that are around us. This is not unusual. This is how Satan operates because there's two different ways in which he attacks us. One is external and one is internal. The external is he comes to us in all facets of life, just job-related issues and all the different things that could happen with illnesses and sicknesses. Even though that seems internal, it's external in the sense that it brings worry and stress and sometimes fatigue because we have so much to deal with in a busy schedule. Satan also comes to us because he knows the flesh and he knows how to influence the flesh by making us feel hopeless at times and anxious at times because he deals with our minds in different ways. That's not uncommon. It's very common. Paul would say, Satan, I know all your strategies. I know all the difficult situations you're going to throw at me because he's dealt with so many of them. And the Bible is teaching us in this message, in this series of messages, he's going to teach us how we can function in those times and live powerful. Because no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, we face everything from the Word of God. Because we must keep everything biblically centered based on facts. Not perception, not how I perceive things to be or what I speculate they may be, but just on facts. Because when I get to the facts, I ignite the Spirit of God through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of truth. Not only that, I commit to not look at what I'm seeing. I commit to believe in what God is saying. That's the reason why I can live by faith and not by sight. How I approach this has to be based on the fact that I'm committed to do right no matter what situations are as directed by the Word of God. That's the power. That's the victory no matter what I face. So today, as we face life, let's do it from God's perspective, not from our perspective, and there will be victory. Many, many years ago, there's a lot of people who sacrificed a lot for an African-American community to be able to vote, to be able to live in freedom, to be able to live with all the rights that any American citizen can have. They were intentional, and it cost them a lot. Today, there's not as much as we have seen in the past. So you, you have a time when people were intentional, people lined up to go vote knowing they would be verbally abused. People would go off to work in their fields knowing it could be taken. People would build their families knowing that their children can be taken. But they still did. The issue for us today is why are we just following everybody? Whatever the highest hits on social media is, people go down those roads. If somebody has a million hits, oh, this must be hot, so that people chase it. If a movie star comes out and has all kinds of different things as a movie star and we see how popular they are, people follow that. It seems like we have come to a generation of just followers. We have no purpose, no drive to make any mark for the next generation. Our generation, what mark are we leaving? What are we accomplishing? The church is the same way. Church gathers on Sunday, it's a big pep rally, but what difference is it when we leave from here? Every football team that huddles 
Notice the defense out there trying to tear them apart. Notice the defense seldom huddle because they're responding to the offense. We're, why we huddle on Sunday mornings is for God knows that there's a demon out there, there's a Satan out there trying to tear us apart. He came to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you don't think that's the truth, think of how many people were killed this week. He's a murderer. Think of how many things have become corrupt this week by lies. He's a liar. Think of how many things that have been destroyed this week, whether it's storms, whether it's earthquakes, whether it's whatever, whether it's war. Think of how many of that have happened this week. Satan, the Bible says, he came to destroy. How much destruction have we seen this week in places around the world that have been destroyed? He is busy. He is active. And God knows that he is. And so he's telling us to come together, get our minds set for war. That's why he talks about an armor you put on, a breastplate, a helmet of salvation, a shoes of peace, a sword of the spirit. He's telling us we are breaking huddle to go to war and that he is ready to rock us the minute we walk out the door. He's telling us that. If you got problems on your job, you don't struggle with flesh and blood. You struggle with principalities and powers. Satan is purposely putting somebody on the job to drive you into a job you don't even want, to a place you don't want, to leave something you don't want. So you can put somebody there to drive you crazy so that you, God wants to let that person sit there for you to practice your salvation and be intent about working out your salvation in fear and trembling. But the job is a mess. Why? The Bible says you're not struggling with flesh and blood. You're struggling with people who got, uh, Satan put there to tear you down and God is putting letting them be there to build you up but if we're not intentional we run from this job if we're not intentional we run from marriage we're not intentional we run from relationships we're constantly running why because we're looking for something that God never promised he's telling us we have to fight against the grain the grain out there is Satan doing stuff every day some people are so into the music of the world they can't enjoy the music of church he wants to, to dim the music of the church by creating so many musicians, doing so much good music out there, rapping, singing, dancing, got all the fireworks and everything going. And when you come to church, church music. He so causes us to lose the taste for God that we can't even enjoy worship because it doesn't match up with what we're listening to before we got here. That's one of the reasons why we find church is boring. Church is boring. But why? Because we have lost the taste for what God has for us. Because Satan has crowded our space with so much stuff to destroy God's worship service. Why? Because we're not being intentional. We're not being intentional. What am I going to listen to this week? Why am I going to go against the grain as a young person and decide, I am not listening to that. What good does it talk to me about? How does it build me up? Nothing. I'm just bumping along and he's making money or she's making money and I'm getting all excited buying their stuff. And what does it do for me? Give me a moment of happiness. No presence of joy. So I'm just going along with the music. I'm going along with the dress. I'm going along with the clubbing. I'm going along with all these different things. And what am I getting out of it? Sexual diseases. What am I getting at brokenness where I don't want to date nobody no more because I'm sick of people, I'm tired of people, I've been in the last relationship. What do we leave with brokenness? Because we're just kind of going along with everything else. And the people that made a difference and became a difference are the people that went, went against the grain. The people that did not follow everybody else, did not go with everybody else was going with. And these are the steps that make somebody develop against the grain. Are we just going to live our lives and end up pointless? 
What's what the Bible calls vanity and vexation of spirit. We come to the end of our lives and we go, we're frustrated, we're mad. What did I do with my life? I'm sick of this, I'm sick of people, I'm bitter, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. We have all of the residue of Satan's influence on us, not the spirit of God upon us, which is joy, peace, long-suffering, healthy families, productive results. We don't come back with that at the end of our lives because we come back with the residue of being a follower and Satan driving us into places that are horrible. It's interesting to see rich people killing themselves. Why? Money didn't do it. It's interesting to see people dying at a young age that we once modeled our lives after. All the rap people and all the different people dying at a young age from overdoses. If all of that stuff makes something, why are they dying from overdoses? Because we just followed the tunes. We followed the world. And it brings us that residue that we can't control. And that's why right smack dab in the middle of a wilderness, smack dab in the middle of bringing these people, God shows them the residue in order to drive them to go against the grain. What do I mean? What is the residue? The residue is that for 40 years, their mother, their father, their uncle, their aunts, their brothers, their sisters died. For 40 years, they kept dying over and over again. There were so many people dying. Moses left his, sent his wife back to her father. He couldn't keep up. There were so many people dying. For 40 years, they had death after death after death. God has sustained them in the wilderness. And everybody that is now in the promised land have made it through Jericho on God's structure. God walked them around the city. God created a worship service and tear down the walls. God did not have a a war strategy. He had a worship strategy. And the worship strategy led them to now gather at Gilgal. At Gilgal, this guy Caleb stands up and says, let me show you something. Well, now understand, Caleb is 80 years of age. That means, that means something. Why is he 85 years of age? What does that mean? It means that Caleb came out of Egypt. He was one of those that came out of Egypt. But because Caleb decided to go against the grain of 12, 10 spies, and he said, I'm not going to do what you 10 spies are saying. God promised that when we go into this land, we will take the land. God said that we're going to be able to make it in the land. God said that we'll be able to get this thing done. And I'm not going to go with these 10 spies. I am not going to say what they're saying. I did see the, 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 the military the way they are. I did see these valiant warriors. I did see that they were tall. I did see that they have a strong city. I did see that they have long, tall walls. I did see all those things but my God said that we could take this land the first thing about being intentional is to believe that God's word is able to do exceedingly abundantly all they could ever ask or think. That's the first thing. We, if, if we keep trying to use our own understanding, our, own, our feelings, and all these different things, that's what we live in. Our feelings, our own understandings, and it takes us to the residue that we don't like. The pain of bad relationships. The residue of frustration. Trying to make it on a job and quitting one to go to the next one because we're sick of these people. The financial stresses that life brings. We have those residue because we have not we've heard the word but like the people in the wilderness who believe the ten spies we don't do it we don't do it they heard the word 
They see Moses having a, a smoke coming down over the holies of holies. They saw all of that. They saw smoke coming down over the holies of holies when the, when the animals were being consumed. They saw all of that. They saw the ground open up and swallow people. They saw that. They wanted meat. They saw God give them meat. They wanted water. They saw God give them water. Every day we see the rain fall. We see it stop. We see God turn the sun, the moon. We see the earth spin. We see the power of God. But to believe in God when the giants are tall and to walk towards the giants intentionally when the giants are tall, that's the issue. When the giants of loneliness is there, when the giants of marriage is there, when the giants of money is there, when the giants of job issues are there, when the giants are upon our lives, are we going to believe God when he's not making no sense? That's the issue that makes us go against the grain. Here's the first thing you learn in verse 6 of, of Joshua chapter 14. He says, Joshua, Joshua so believed God that he's going to hold God to his word. That's the first thing you would see in this passage. He held God to his word. In verse 6 he says, Then Joshua, the son of, of Judah, drew near to Joshua in, I mean, jo Joshua in Gilgal and Caleb the son. Now watch this carefully. Caleb, they're all gathered in Gilgal. Why? They've made it through the walls of Jericho. They've defeated one army after the next. God has proven himself this way. How many people have died? No record that anybody died. They have made it to Gilgal. Caleb said, uh-uh, we can't go any further until you reckon with what God promised me. You know how many times I go to God like that? When in my prayer life, God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. That if I do these things, you will do this. God, you said. That if I abide in your word, you will grant me the desires of your heart. God, I've abided in your word. Here is my desire, and I trust you to provide it. I don't know when you will do it, but I believe you will do it because you said you will do it. And God, I'm holding you to it. Many of us go to pray to God and ask God for things he ain't never said. God ain't never promised you what some people ask for. Some people know the person and save and talk about God. This must be the man you promised me. God ain't said that. If he is saved, he's saved. If he ain't saved, he's not saved. Some of you young people say, God, you promised me a great time if I go to church. God didn't promise that. God didn't promise. God says when you come to church, you come to church for me, not you. I ain't promised you that. Well, I got saved, so God is going to bless me. No, I said, you will get saved and work out your salvation in fear and trembling, and then I will bless you. Abide in my word. If you don't abide in my word, you come to nothing. If you accept my word, you're blessed to have everything. It is a working it out to gain the blessing. So many times when we come to God, we are not holding God to his word. We're holding God to our words, our desires, our passions. And then we get disappointed and God is going, you're disappointed because you held yourself to something I never promised. Here's the second thing you see. Joshua, uh, Caleb showed up, and Caleb is saying in verse 6, you know the word which the Lord spoke. In other words, Joshua, you stood there, I stood there. We both heard what God said. So you are here at 85 years, whatever the age Joshua was, and the age of Caleb is 85, and the only reason that we are standing here alive is the evidence that God kept his word. So, so now we know. In other words, now we've experienced the fact that God is true to his word. Oh, folks, oh, come on with me now. Many of you know where you used to be. 
You know you need to be used to be clubbing. Some of you know you used to be on drugs. Some of you know you need to be on alcohol. Some of you know you've been doing a bunch of stuff that God didn't say, but God kept you. He watched over you. He protected you. He did a lot for you. So now that you are right here, how do you not know the word of God works? How do you not know it works? I mean, how many times has he kept you when you've been driving around? How many times have you been sick and he woke you up? How many times have you been asleep and he got you going? How many times you live in a raggedy neighborhood and your house didn't get broken into? How many times you've drove a hoopty and God kept it going? How many times have the kid gone out the door and God brought them back safe? How many times did that happen? How do you not know? How do you not know? That's the reason why he is saying, now I can move forward against the grain because I know. What did David say? David said, I saw a lion. I killed a lion. I killed a bear. So I can stand in front of Goliath because I know. See, sometimes we don't believe God because we forgot what we know. We forgot what God has done. We forgot how good he's been. So when we're facing difficulties, we want to bring God down to our level when God is saying, keep me high. Don't bring me down to your level. Keep me high. Joshua says, I know. I'm standing here at 85. I went to the promised land. I fought through the walls of Jericho. I fought through all these cities. And I'm standing here. That's evidence that we know. Here's the next thing you find. And it comes to just holding to God's word. So you go against the grain. Young people, you got to learn to go against the grain. Just don't follow everybody. We come to God and we forget what he's done. We forget where he's taken us. We're now sitting in homes. We're now sitting on better couches. We're now driving better cars. And we say, look at us. No, look at God and what he has done for you. That's what he's saying. You can't forget the goodness of God when you're faced with the problems you face now. Because if you forget the goodness of God, all you're seeing is your problems, not his goodness. So you got to look back and see his goodness when you look at the issues you face so that you remember the goodness of God. So the problem you face puts more God in it than your feelings in it. That's what Joshua's saying here. Look at me now. Look at me. Look at, verse, look at verse 7. He says, And I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Bernia to spy out the land. I brought back word. I brought word back to him. And it was in, look at this carefully, my heart. It was in my heart. It, it, doing God was a passion. Doing God was a passion. Doing God was not a worship service, a religion. It was a passion. It was very personal. It was something I believed in. I trusted him in. It wasn't just something a preacher told me to do. It was something I want to do. All Moses did when he preached was direct me what word to do. But once I got that word, I'm going to go do it with all my heart. And that's how he came to know. That's how he came to have an experience of God and the ability of God because when he said it, he put his passion into it. Josh was saying, I was a slave for a long time taking bricks to somebody else's pyramid. A long time, I live in a mud hut. A long time, I hear about this God and I believed in this God. He originally, his tribe originally were not Jewish. His tribe originally was belonged to the Kenizzites. 
The Kenizzites willfully decided to be a part of Judah tribe. They willfully decided that this is a place we need to become and they became a part of the tribe of Judah. Joshua was saying, I went through, the, Caleb said, I went through the Red Sea. Caleb says, man, I walked around in that wilderness like everybody else. But when I start seeing God open up a Red Sea, when I start seeing what God is doing with this man Moses who had a stick in his hand, when I start seeing manna falling from heaven, when I start seeing a cloud coming on over the holies of holies, when I start seeing God coming over the tent of meeting, when I start seeing this God come alive, and now I'm experiencing him, you can't tell me to go into a land and change my mind against people in a land when I see the power of God operating every day. So it became my passion. I didn't need a lot of people in the stands. I didn't need a lot of people going, this is my team. I didn't need a lot of people supporting this team. If it was just two of us, Joshua and Caleb, saying, go into the land, two is good enough. We're going. See, many of us follow God when everybody else is. God is saying, if you go against the grain, you can't wait for everybody else to follow me. You have to follow me based on how I've been for you. I took care of you. I woke you up. I watched over you. I kept you. You know who I am. You've seen who I am. You've seen how I function. You know what you used to do, and I forgave you of your sins, cleansed you from all unrighteousness, fixed you up, and stood you back up again. You know what I've done. So when I tell you to do something that doesn't match up with what you like, why does somebody got to convince you? It should be the passion of your heart right now to go do it. That's what Caleb is saying. Caleb is saying that, man, I got a passion for this. I don't care what they say. I want you to go back with me to numbers. I want you to see his passion. And I want you to stay there because we're going to go back there again in numbers. Chapter 3. This is what is lacking in the church today. People got word but no passion. You know, people could go shopping for four hours, eight hours, and pick a, and at the end of the day, you want to know, what did you do? You came out with just a little bitty. Okay. I'm not trying to talk about nobody, but there's some people. My wife is not a shopper. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. You're a good God. My wife is not a shopper. She's just not. When she's shopping, she's going somewhere, and her husband and her are going, she's trying to, trying to look nice for her husband. My wife is not a shopper, but I know some shoppers. Oh, sweet Jesus. Eight hours in a mall. They convinced my wife to go with them. And my wife says, would you come with me? I guess I need to be Christ, so I got to die. I went to this mall, eight hours. Wrong person, horrible person. So I'm walking up to these people going, okay, let me see what y'all bought. Because I I left the party and started looking at a TV in the middle of a a glass case with a nice little book. So when they're coming out the mall, I'm going, what did you buy? I mean, y'all have been in here for like seven hours. Oh, hey, this is what we bought. One bag. I opened the bag. A candlelight holder. That's all you could buy? After seven hours in the mall, you bought a can- Paul, listen to me. This is what we bought. That's why folk don't like black people coming up in here. <laughs> I must say I said that. Forgive me. But I know not what I said. Y'all just bought a black. Okay. That's passion for shopping that she said was therapeutic. Go swimming. 
Go jogging. Do something that's more therapeutic than to sit around in a mall. That's how some of us could be. We could have a passion for things. And you see the energy, watch this carefully, the drive, the conviction, the determination. That's what I want you to see in passion. The drive, the conviction that leads to determination. When those three things aren't there, we like it. We're not passionate about it. In Numbers chapter 13, in Numbers chapter 13, they've just come out of the promised land. These spies have been in there. They turned the hearts of the people against what is taking place. And here is Caleb. The first person to talk was Caleb, not Moses, not Joshua. It was Caleb first. This is what he says. Then Caleb quieted the people. Because the ten spies got them all worked up. Got them going crazy. You know, the people are just going crazy. They tell them about the Amalekites in verse 29. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites. They tell them all these Canaanites, all these people are powerful and great and everything else. And Caleb rises up and says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Are you crazy? They just got you telling you of people who are fighters, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Canaanites. These people are mighty fighters. And you talking about what? Caleb says, we must go. That's passion. Passion has to do with when, when a person is passionate, you will see the drive. You will see the commitment, the determination. There's nothing, the conviction. There's nothing that would move them away from sitting there in the seats watching their team lose every Sunday. They'll still be there. That's what's lacking inside of us that don't drive us against the grain. If God don't bless us in the city, bless us in the fields in two seconds, we're out. If we pray to God and ask God to do something, he did it in two seconds, we're gone. This man waited 40 years. Depend, watch this carefully. He didn't sin. He is walking around in a wilderness because other people sinned. He is dealing with their punishment for 40 years. Accepting their punishment for 40 years because he believes that God is going to take him into the promised land because God said so. That's passion. I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep doing what I got to do. It's not when God got to come right away because I'm already totally surrendered to do it the way God said to do it. So God don't have to come right away because I know he's going to come because I know he's God. That's passion. The team keeps losing and you're still going, go Texans. Bunch of cowboy fans says, next year. Been saying next year for 30 years. That's passion. And the church today lacks it. That's why experiencing God is not what you're experiencing. And then you start thinking out on God. Where's God? Why is this happening to me? God, why are you not doing this? All this church services, what's happening? Why? Because God can't find passionate people that will walk with him against the grain. It was hard for the disciples. Twelve men, they bounced on Jesus Christ attached to the crucifixion. They walked off. Why? Christ is saying, Peter, back to passion do you love me? Peter, you got to love me to follow me. Passion against the grain. 
The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests think different, Peter. They think I'm this. They think I'm that. Who do you say that I am? You go against the grain because you believe my word and that I will never lie to you. I pray that you will give to Power Walk. We've got trips to Africa, to Barbados, to Guyana. We've got trips to the Bahamas. We've got trips into different parts of the world that God is leading us to. And I pray that you, your support will effectively touch lives because we take qualified pastors with me as well who are well-trained, well-qualified. I look forward to your support. It takes your support to make all of this possible. We have a, we have a school that is now being built in Mozanzi, Rwanda. We pray that along with other people who are supporting this school that is getting it off the ground and it's almost finished being built, that you will help us reach that $250,000 deficit. We look forward to hearing from you. Specify to us what you want us to do and we'll make sure it gets there. Thank you for supporting Power Walk. Your support is essential. Mm -hmm.